Childhood felt like any other childhood for Z. It was full of family, laughter, traditions, and gatherings centered around food, the highlight being her abuela's one-of-a-kind cooking. So you can imagine how hard it was to leave all of this behind for the hope of something better in a world unknown to her, the situation she faced when she left Mexico City for the U.S. as a teen. Leaving familiarity for uncertainty is a common experience immigrants have faced all over the world throughout human history. But as daunting as that experience already can be, it's even more so when you have to do it as a child without the family that has so deeply shaped your world. I'm Tai Chu, and this is Listen for a Change, a podcast amplifying the unique stories from the invisible among us. We find the voices you don't often hear, we empower them to heal around their experience using storytelling, and we turn up the volume to open up all of our hearts and minds. This isn't just storytelling, this is an intervention to restore compassion. We first heard Z's story at a Listen for a Change storytelling workshop. Here now, we walk through it again and go deeper. I was born and raised in Mexico City. I felt like I had a normal childhood filled with memories um, with my dad, mom, and sister. We had a very united family, or so I thought. Family reunions filled with food and laughter. Every Sunday, we would get up in the morning and go to different places to eat together as a family. During those times, I will take a step back and just observe how everyone interacted with each other and enjoy every bite of food, regardless of what we were eating. However, the huevitos estrellados that my abuela will make just was the absolute best. No one can make them the way she did. When I turned 14, my mom made a decision that changed my life forever. My mom had a grown-up conversation with me and told me she had to leave for some time. She came to the U.S. In two years of my life, I did whatever I wanted since my dad had to work and my sister was taken care of by, by relatives. Imagine how much fun I had. One day, I received a text from my cousin inviting me to her house, which was pretty normal, and I was able to do whatever I want. So I went. Things felt different that day, and I wasn't able to pinpoint the reason at the time. I went to my cousin and went to her room. The door closed behind me. When I turned around, I saw my mother crying and smiling. I froze. I didn't know if I was supposed to be happy or terrified. I felt both. A mix of emotions that to this day, I don't know how to describe. I was thrilled to see my mom again after a long time, but at the same time, I felt scared for what was to come. My mom again decided to have another grown-up conversation with me. She said that she had gone back to get me and my sister. My stomach just sunk. It felt like it was the end. I traveled to the US and I loved it here, but I didn't belong here. There were too many unanswered questions. Why? Why now? What about my dad, my family, my friends, my food? 
by huevitos estrellados or traditions on Sunday? My mom decided to paint a perfect picture about what it's like to live here, but I was terrified. I had the nerve to say, no, my life is here, and this is where I belong. After so many nice tries to convince me for a couple of months, mom decided to then say, you're underage, you have to do whatever I say. That felt like the end. We went to the US Embassy and our visas were denied. That felt like a win to me without realizing that my mom had her mindset and will do whatever to have me and my sister leave the country. I had the chance to say goodbye to my family, but in my head, this was temporary. I was going to come here as an underage teen, but once I was 18, I'd go back. My dad took us to the airport. I will never forget the look on his face. My father is not the one to cry, but the sadness just took over him. I hugged him and whispered in his ear, it would all be worth it, I promise. I don't know what I meant at the time. I just really wanted to comfort him. Now, the walking experience is not something that I wish on anyone. The first try, I carried all the food and water for the three of us. It was going to be a long walk. We didn't make it as my mom kept fainting and my sister fell into a ditch and was almost attacked by a snake. The coyote sent us back. Again, it felt like another win, but we were told there was another way. My mom had her mindset. We tried a week after. This time the walk was shorter. I again carried all the food and water for my family was exhausted. All I could think about was the family reunions and my abuelas huevitas estrellados. I heard my mom's voice telling me, just leave the backpacks. I didn't want to, just in case. She asked me to do the same four times. I turned around, looked at her straight in the eye, and I yelled at her, I will never forgive you for this. Looking into her eyes, watering, the hurt was evident. I hurt her. We then got ambushed by eyes. That experience was definitely humiliating. Indeed, we were put in cages, but I was glad that we were not separated. I saw how food and water was thrown at people. I was hungry and my sister was too. We were given shrimp instant soup. Now guess who doesn't eat those anymore? We were sent back. There, another win for me. My mom is relentless and a stubborn woman. People say I get up from her. And said that we were doing it again until we made it. At this point, I felt like I had nothing else to lose. My mom had gone weeks without eating or sleeping because she kept trying to protect us at night and she wanted to give the food to us. Third time, I barely remember anything but waiting for the ride. When the car got there, there wasn't any room for me. My mom desperate yelled at the driver saying that he had to make it work. I saw my life flashing before my eyes. The family reunions were definitely over. I told her to go ahead, I'll wait for another one. 
knowing there will not be another ride. She said, no. Push my sister into the truck and pull me into the car. I still make fun of my sister because she's the girl in the trunk. We made it to Illinois. I started to fall in love with this place, but I still miss everything back there. Everything here was different. The food, the language, the environment, everything. I didn't belong. My education and college experience were great. And those pushed my dreams of going back. Way far back. Life is just very different here. I was 16 when I was forced to come. I'm 32 years old now. I've not seen my father ever since. Or the rest of my family. I've not had those family reunions again. And we'll never have those huevos estrellados again. Since my abuela passed away. It breaks me and hurts me every time I talk to what's left of my family. I wish I could go back to visit them again and come back to the life that I have here. There are family members who I never had the chance of saying goodbye. Since then, they passed away. I definitely forgive my mother. She wanted the best for us and the best for me is here. As many problems as this country has, this is my home away from home. Yes, there are some days where I feel like I don't belong here, but I also don't belong over there anymore. I have other dreams here, and I wake up every day with the promise I made my dad. It will all be worth it. It was, it is, and it will continue to be. I will continue to fight for a comprehensive immigration laws those that are humane, understanding, and accepting. My mother may seem like a bad person in this story, but she had genuine reasons for coming and bringing us here. I can't speak for her, as that is her untold story, but her reasons are valid, just like many others. Thank you so much for sharing that story with us. I It just reminded me of when I first heard the story the first time you told it. Um, you had prepared it pretty quickly. Do you remember developing that story the first time around? Like going, because for those who don't know, you sat through a Listen for a Change storytelling workshop. And were you already, like, did you already know that this was a story that you wanted to tell? And did you already have parts of it developed or how was that process for you? No, um, this was the very first time. Well, when I attended the workshop, that was the very first time um, of me even thinking that I could share this. It was more of a, I'm going to die with this and I will not tell anyone about this. And there are obviously so many other things that I have to really emotionally prepare to be able to share that out loud. Could you tell me a little bit more about 
what do you think held you back from sharing the story? And it's been a few years, um, but as I can tell, this is not something that you go around telling most people. Is there shame involved? Is there just doubt? Is there wonder? Is there disappointment? What has held you back? I think it's a little bit of everything. Um, Obviously, I'm not proud of the way that I was forced to come. Um, even though may, many people may may think like, well, why, why is it that people just don't do it the legal way? Well, there is not really an option. Um, and the relieving of the experience and the the feelings and being scared. Um, that also held me back and obviously the the shame of what are people going to think i'm wondering if you've had a conversation with your mom as an adult or recently about this have you debriefed with her because both of you went through this really difficult and traumatic experience together how do you reflect on it now with her so some years ago when um when i was going through college obviously because of my situation there's some professions that i'm unable to um, pursue here i wanted to be a teacher and when it was time for me to actually pick the career and you know them asking on every single application for anything what is your social security number me being unable to provide that brings that whole story, brings all of those memories back as if I am a number, not necessarily a person. So I went back to her and I told her, you know what, this is it. I just can't do anything here. And um, like I said, she's very stubborn. So she's like, well, then pick another career. Just keep trying. Just keep doing it. And... At that moment, that's where I brought the conversation and I told her, I know when we were crossing, I hurt you. And I told you that I was sorry, (laughs) that I was never going to forgive you for this. But I forgive you because you wanted the best. And as much as it hurts and many doors have been shut right in my face. Many others have opened up and I was able to get my master's degree. I am a social worker. I love what I do here. I'm working towards my license too. So, um, and of course the jokes about my sister being the trunk child and that she belongs in the trunk. And, um, every time that we go to the store, she points out the the shrimp instant soup and she's like oh do you want some uh we've turned it more into a joke that unites us more than an experience that separated me from my family thank you for sharing that experience it just reminds me of as children we it, we're very egocentric and we see things through our lens and how it affects us but we really don't think of the impact and the reasons why our parents do what they do for us. And you just remind me that um, 
you know, our, our parents have their motivations and for the most part, they have really wonderful intentions for us, even though it doesn't always seem like that in the moment. Right. Yes. Um, how is, how is this experience? I mean, it's clearly shaped who you are profoundly, but how do you think it set you on a new life trajectory? Do you ever think about the you that you would be had you stayed in Mexico? I mean, obviously it's going to be a different human being, but what are the ways in which you think this journey and now being here and having the opportunities that have been presented to you, what are some key ways in which that's fundamentally shaped you as a human being? Well, um, I mean, I think about it every day. You know, I haven't seen my father and I don't I haven't seen my family. And like I shared, I won't see my abuela anymore. Um, and constantly think of what it will be like if I had my whole family together. Um, what would I be doing? What would I, what would my profession even be? Um, and listening to, to my mom and or just being at work, being able to help all of those people, knowing that I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to be a social worker back at home, at my other home, you know, my home away from home. Um, because there is no, that is not considered a profession. So it haunts me um, every day being able to live in the unknown, you know, because I don't know what's going to happen to me tomorrow based on the situation and the immigration policies that are coming in or the constant having to worry about what am I going to get pulled over? Am I going to like, you know, get caught doing something that I'm not supposed to do, but I'm forced to do. Um, and then if I am to be sent back, what am I going to do over there? Because I'm not from there, but I'm also not from here. You speak really fondly of your grandma. You talk about the good times that you had with her, how she was always in your home, her cooking. Take me back to the moment that you realize that you might not be able to go back and see your grandma again and I mean it's not just your grandma but you talk about other family members like this divide is this invisible barrier that prevents you from doing something that many people take for granted which is spending time with their loved ones do you remember that moment yes um even even now, like going to restaurants and ordering um, sunny side up eggs, that's something that um, I will never be able to taste um, those eggs the way that my grandma will make them. Um, and not knowing at the moment when I said, I will see you in two years not expecting that that was never going to happen so there is a side of me that it that it's like that i that i lied to her did she go thinking that i was the person um that she pictured that i never grew up um i regret not 
calling them constantly or FaceTiming them or being able to do a video chat with her. I, I just wish I knew at the time that I was going to be a goodbye. So I think I would have done it in a different way. I wouldn't have taken it for granted. Leaving every day with your loved ones, like you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So just cherish those moments every single time. I think those are words that all of us can take to heart. And I think we've all been in that situation where you just wonder and you're in a position where you couldn't even reach out to that person. I can't imagine what that must have felt like for you. Looking to the future, there is going to be a day where you're going to get to go back to your hometown. Tell me what that feels like as you envision that. (sighs) there are so many emotions there will be a lot of relief but also a lot of resentment because even being able to go back even if I was able to go back now I still cannot see those family members that I lost um and if or when that day comes I, of course, am planning on saying um, an I'll see you later because my dream will be able to come back to the life that I have here. But oh boy, I will need easily three days, like three days, I'm sorry, three months um, not sleeping to be able to go through to everyone's home and have a lengthy quality conversation with them to kind of catch up to the point that I feel that I will feel like I never left. Um, I'm going to be the happiest person alive. But I, I just hope that that day will come. I have one final question for you. You talk about how you don't share this story openly. And even in podcast form, most people listening don't know who you are. There will be some people who do know who you are, though. And either because you shared it with them or they recognize your voice. What part of you do you feel like is missing that they don't know about you because they don't know this story about you? Boy, I think that is a really chunk of my personality. That's really who I am. And obviously, I don't share it for political divides, unfortunately. But that's been what's shaping me. Like, who's made me who I am? I don't know if people can fully understand who I am as a person and what I've gone through 
without understanding the political divide, without understanding what people, because this is just my story. But people go through this. People get put in cages. People get food thrown at their faces and feeling like degraded and the need to actually pick up the food from the floor to be able to eat it. That's, unfortunately, that shapes a person um, with the right guidance it will make you stronger. But if you don't have other lending hands, other supporters, that can, that can potentially destroy you. Well, I want to thank you again for sharing your story with us. And I know that you've touched many people who are listening right now. And even though many of us will not directly know who you are, I think we can all find a little bit of someone we know in your story. So thank you again. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. If you liked our show, please be sure to check out listenchange.org to learn about our storytelling workshops. And please rate and subscribe Listen for a Change wherever you get your podcasts. Our production team for this episode was Tunde Damarin and Momo Kaneda. I'm Tai Chu, and remember, a story untold is simply a thought.